Welcome to In the Lap of the Pods Queen podcast with Paul, Joe, myself, David, and a very special guest we've got, Jonathan Melville. How are you, Jonathan? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming on, actually. We we are very, very pleased to have you on. And um, we sent Jonathan a bit of a cheeky wee um, direct message to say, could you, not are you okay to come on this? And then Jonathan <laughs> is an absolute star and said, yep, not a problem. So um, definitely no airs and graces about Jonathan. He's just, just a regular <laughs> guy. <laughs> so fantastic. It really sits in with us because we are just three guys, as you know, that thought, let's do this for a laugh and Turns out a few people wanted to listen to it as well. Right. So, <laughs> well, I had to turn so, down the BBC and uh, STV and uh, <laughs> you know, CNN. All what I did interviews. I said no. I've got this podcast to do, so forget it. So here we are. <laughs> Some man, good man. Yeah, going on the grassroots stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta do it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So we are going to be talking about Jonathan's uh, book, A Kind of Magic, which is all about Highlander. The, the first Highlander movie and focuses on that. Um, there are some bits towards the end of the book that discusses the franchise as a whole, but it's it's more so about the, the actual first movie, which pleases us very much because we are massive fans of that movie. And that's not just because Queen do the soundtrack. Um, just because it's the best film? <laughs> yeah, just because it's, it's just fantastic and the impact it's had on us um, since, since a very young age. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the, the movie. Absolutely. We're going to talk about the music. And of course, we're going to talk about Jonathan's book. So before we go any further, um, as usual, a big shout out to the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Um, so we've got the Deep Purple Podcast. We've got the, the Leonard Skirrard one. And of course, this uh, Sabbath podcast out there as well. So please go check them out. And of course, the governor himself, T-Bone Mathley. And thank you very much to those guys for for promoting us. And again, we're just we're just humbled for these guys to have um, given us a bit of a bit of a shout out and kind of sort of um, embraced us into their, their little network there. So um, fantastic! And um, yeah, go check them out if you're fans of any of those bands. So Jonathan, tell us about the book then. You know, you know, obviously uh, we've read the book and we know what it's about, but the listeners out there might not have the chance to read, read it yet. So so. Gives a little idea. Yeah, well, uh, the book, as you said, is about the first Highlander film, uh, which I've been a fan of since I first saw it uh, back in about 1994. So I missed it the first time, missed it at the cinema. I was too young. Uh, and also we moved, actually, the month that it came out, we moved from Edinburgh up to the Highlands, bizarrely. Uh, and I was 10. So we didn't have a cinema and I was too young. So kind of fast forward to 1994. I was back in Edinburgh, back at uni, well, at uni went to the Cameo here in Edinburgh, Cameo Cinema, and watched a double bill of The Crow, which was quite well, it was new at that point, The, uh, the Crow and Highlander. Um, it was sort of one of these almost, it was like 11 o'clock at night, double bills, so you didn't get out till, what, half one, two in the morning. And it was just one of the best double bills I think I've ever seen. Just two action-packed... Uh, the Crow's sort of, fantastic, yeah. yeah both yeah. fantastic films, yeah. Great Brilliant, yeah, and you can also get a, a Blu-ray. Someone sent me a Blu-ray that has the Crow and Highlander as a double bill on it, which oh, oh, you know, someone else has thought of that since ah. then. Um, but yeah, so I saw Highlander and just kind of fell in love with it, really, and just thought this is this is amazing. Got the the video VHS, uh, and so since then, really, I've just been a fan, although not a um, you know not a mega fan. I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of lots of things. Doctor Who is something I I kind of have obsessed over and bought all the books and DVDs and things, but Highlander, I kind of just, I was a fan of, I, I liked it, you know, I really enjoyed it. So, and then through the years, uh, I guess I watched some of the sequels and, and maybe didn't enjoy them as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a few years ago, I wrote a book on the Tremors movies. And then I was thinking about what can I do next? And Highlander kind of just was one of the ones pretty much top of the list. Because you're trying to narrow it down to a few things. First of all, what do you want? What do you enjoy enough? that you want to spend probably a few years working on uh, and also what has not been covered. What is, what, who else, has anyone else done a book on this subject? Because if they have, there's a good chance you're going to repeat them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of where I was. And that was at the start of 2016. I was just sort of looking around, emailed a few people, including Clancy Browns, uh, who plays the Kurgan in the film, who his agent and Christopher Lambert's and Sean Connery's agent. And nobody was getting back to me. 
And, uh, and then they announced that Clancy Brown was coming to Edinburgh for the film festival and that I could go and interview him because I was working for a, a, a sort of um, entertainment website. And so who, you know, he really should have been the most difficult person to get because he doesn't talk about Islander anymore or hasn't for many years. And then they were like, do you want to speak to Clancy Brown? <laughs> so it was really easy. And that's where the book started, really. So it just started there. And then I started going out to other people and built up all the interviews. So that's the kind of longish version, but that's how I, how I, how I started it. No, that's fantastic. Um, so you, so you're, you're talking about, so really four years in the making then? Um, the book Pretty much, book, yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, of course, the interviews take, probably took a couple of years of that, just trying to get people, emailing lots of people, going on IMDb, finding people's addresses and you know, email addresses and getting in touch. And people, most people said yes, but some people didn't reply or or um you know emails bounce back or whatever so uh, but, but yeah probably i would say at least two years full-on trying to write it and, and rewrite it but four years in total so pretty yeah. it's a pretty long time really feels like it <laughs> absolutely no you, i mean you can actually i mean when you read the book you'll you'll understand the the work that's went into it you know and um you know that time that's taken it's been it's there's so many people you're talking to in in the book you know so many people um sorry i was just gonna say i worry that people lose track i know when some people read it the first time they were getting a bit confused like who's that person again producer versus a you know an extra whatever yeah 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 but what one of the things um that i I found really great about the book is the, the things i enjoyed was the the stand-in for Christopher Lambert. Um, and oh, like Campbell. Ca- yes, Campbell. Campbell. He's brilliant. Campbell Muirhead, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> it's it's their stories. It's almost like they're, they're documenting the, the process, you know, more than the, you know, maybe the actors, because actors are very much immersed in it and close to it, whereas you always get someone that's maybe just enough apart from it to almost totally. see, the, see the, the bigger picture. So I found them really interesting. Um, and and Clancy's, Clancy's stuff in the book is absolutely fantastic. It's it's just this. I love his, his how candid he is about the whole the whole thing. And um, given that, as you said, he was he was kind of not necessarily wanting to talk about it too much, you know. So yeah, um, really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, time. I had I had maybe I don't know five or ten minutes with him, maybe five minutes outside the Sunny World in Edinburgh, uh, holding a camera in front of him for the first time. And I think it was the day after I got to speak to him for about 20, 25 minutes. So I had my kind of five, about five key questions, I think, I wanted to ask. At least I thought, well, if I don't get anything else, I've got those. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so it's amazing that you can get quite a lot in just 20 minutes. That's the... yeah. That was quite. It was quite good. But yeah, it's a little so, nod to make sure we get our got our important questions <laughs> in because you you don't want to be on ticking. any longer than twenty minutes. <laughs> Time is ticking. So, <laughs> well, well you, uh, you know, we're second of our guest. We had Michael Legg, the comedian, on um, on oh, the yeah. Flash Golden podcast, and um, so you don't want cool. second of our guest. So, um, oh, cool. so we're aware, not like take up too much of your time. <laughs> no, not what I mean, one of the things you mentioned there when you were you were talking about the book was the sequels, um, and and again, I really admired your honesty in the introduction about the fact that they don't do it for you, um, which is good because it really resonates with us because that's what we have been about Queen's music. Every single album we've went through and been completely honest about it. So some albums have got complete trashing from us, yeah. you know, and 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 you know we've had a bit bit of banter on Twitter with some of the some of the the followers. So it's, it's been great. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that honesty is, is really kind of yeah fits in with with what we are doing, I suppose. When you were, when you were sort of researching the, the book and as you were doing, what was you know what was one or two um, sort of moments where you went, oh really? That's that's blown my mind. That's that's something that's that's I never actually well, realised or had read before. Or yeah, well, there's, there's I mean, there's loads of things. I think that's another thing about the book that I, um, it's funny to say I was concerned, but I was, I was slightly, because I found out so much and I feel almost, every, I think almost every page has something new, uh, whether it's like Campbell saying something about working in a field with Sean Connery, which is not major mega news, you know, it's not front page news or anything, but it's fun and it's interesting, I think. Um, so, I mean, the first thing for me was, was a really simple thing, discovering it was a British film. So I always just thought it was an American film. Uh, and so that was quite a surprise. And then realizing 
all the stuff about this, the film studio, Thorn EMI, that made it and discovering what was going on behind the scenes there, which uh, was not the most exciting thing to research because it's just talking about a studio and, uh, you know, profits and, and profit and loss and stuff like that. But it did, I think, I think it was needed, I think it needed to be in there. And I did try and shrink it down a bit because I thought there was too much at one point. So just trying to give that kind of backstory, I suppose. Um, and what else? I think little things that I found out which are nobody, nobody knew before, things like the, the, the guy that does the backflips in the film, which is a weird part of the film anyway. <laughs> and yeah. someone mentioned who this guy was. And they ended up on the phone to him. And I, that was brilliant. And he's never spoken about the film before to, to anybody apart from his pals. Um, <laughs> so stuff like that was quite cool. And um, what else? Just bits and pieces about, I think, uh, um, Christopher Lambert uh, filming the New York scenes. There's a whole bit about him being on the top of the Silver Cup building and jumping off and landing on a, um, a mattress. So everyone's got different views as to what happened. Someone yeah, says yeah. he ripped it. Some he says he didn't. The paperwork says he sort of did. It was it's a it's a funny one. So just so I think I was yeah. always finding out little things, uh, and then over time it all just built up. So I don't know if there was anything major like huge thing that that astounded me, but just lots yeah. of things were were quite surprising. Yeah, I mean, I did, there's definitely uh, lots of things in the book like that, you know, and and just to the listeners out there, please, if you if you're a fan of the movie, which I'm assuming you are or you wouldn't be listening to this. So um, please, please go and pick up the, the book. Um, so actually, Jonathan, where can you get it before I, before I forget to ask? Where, well, you, I mean, place? I guess for most people, the easiest thing is just is just Amazon. Um, okay. But uh, a few people point out to me quite rightly that there's a, a site called hive.co.uk. Well, obviously in the UK, but uh, it's kind of independent bookshops use that. So if you want to support mm-hmm. independent um, or the other place we're doing some signed copies is through the, the website polarispublishing.com um, so there's sort of signed copies there and a little booklet that we've put together with extra photos so yeah, yeah so that's people... the one I'm, I'm looking forward to getting the one with yeah. the, the photographs I'm looking forward to that cool. dropping through there well I'm still uh, signing them that's, that's the thing that's cool. <laughs> it's, a, it's a small uh, publisher and uh, we're all in Edinburgh but they've got to send them to me partly because of Covid reasons really they've got to send them to me right right from the from the warehouse then I've got to sign them then they've got to be sent back so it's ah, just taking another right. few days sadly but people are waiting 35 years so hopefully another few days <laughs> uh, <laughs> not too much of a problem yeah um, when we, I guess we talk I mean the, the listeners out there are, are you know be you know probably fundamentally Queen fans um, listen to our podcast you you interviewed Roger Taylor and Brian May for, for this Um how, I guess how did that come about? Because I think you'd been trying to get them for a, maybe a few years, maybe since 2016, would that be fair to say? Probably, probably about then. I think I would have, I could check my emails, but I think it was probably 2016. I thought right at the start, because at the start I wrote a bit of an outline and I thought, right, these are the, the, the basic chapters I want to include in the t- topics. And there was one chapter that was always going to be the music. And I always, of course, I didn't know if I was going to get Brian and uh, Roger. So I think the first person I spoke to was probably Rod, um, Derek Power, who was a music supervisor for the film, who I managed to track down. And he was, he'd just been to the, the dentist, I think, when I spoke to him. So I think I remember he was driving <laughs> along the freeway trying to drink like an ice drink because his mouth was still sore from the dentist. <laughs> Strange things that you remember. But, so he was telling me all about how the music came together and how he put how he sort of a, uh, how Queen came into it and how he was interested in uh, David Gilmore originally and, and he was a huge Pink Floyd fan and he would have liked to have used them but I don't think they were performing together at the time mm-hmm. uh, and so he talked about them and also Michael Kamen who did the, the score so we talked about that and then I, I was still emailing so I would email uh, Jim Beach, uh, the Queen's manager who would email me back every I would maybe do it every six months, I think. And it's that thing of not wanting to be annoying, but at the same time trying to, you know, obviously trying to get an interview. So he would keep emailing me back and say, um, they're busy, they're on tour. And I would look on their website and they would be in Singapore or, I don't know, Hong Kong or Australia or whatever. And I would email again in six months and he would say, okay, well, maybe try again in, in six months because they might, they might be quieter then. Uh, and then I would try again in six months and they would still be touring or so it was, it just, it was never happening. 
So I yeah. then spoke to uh, the guys from Mercury. I don't know how well you know some of the, the sort of tribute bands. Yeah. To people who perform the music at least yeah. uh -huh. and just even yeah. know what it means to them or what how the fans react so i spoke yeah. to joseph lee jackson who's the the lead singer of that band and that was really interesting just just a different take on it uh and so yeah i was still email, emailing the guys so then finally we had this pandemic happen and uh yeah. and, I, and i was on instagram following uh brian and roger and I noticed they were doing loads and loads of videos and just sort of talking about life in lockdown. And, uh, and I just sort of thought, is it, is it wrong to email again and say, do you want to speak to me during a pandemic? Because it just sort of felt, I don't know, was I, was, you know, is that a bad thing? I don't know. But I, but I did anyway. I thought, no, come on, you've got this book to do. <laughs> the, the deadline was yeah. coming up. So I emailed once again and, uh, and basically, yes, they were, I think within a day, uh, they were, yes they were happy to do it which i was just amazed by and i thought yeah oh my god after all this time finally and yeah, it only took a pandemic to get them but hmm. uh and then yeah so then we just spoke on the phone so we i got each one of them separately and i think i had maybe a week maybe it was a week or so from the email and spoke to brian first and um and i once again just had sort of 20 minutes all these interviews tend to be about 20 minutes and i uh, just had my five questions again and I'd been reading some of the biographies. So I kind of knew that when people were, write, were writing about Queen or, or just even Brian May, they would get to, to Highlander. And it was just kind of skimmed over, really. It was, yeah. you know, they've done, they, did, they did Highlander. <laughs> and, then, yeah, yeah. and then the album turned out to be a kind of magic. And I was just really interested, really, how? Because there was always this talk of there being a soundtrack, uh, you know, a soundtrack album with the music and maybe Michael Kamen. And it never happened. So I kind of just wanted to find out why. And was it their decision? Was it the studio? So I think I think I got to the, the bottom of it, really, finally. Yeah. And I think, I, I mean, I think, I know there are some little clips on YouTube of them talking about it. Um, but again, it's always just little snippets here and there. So I think hopefully this is sort of the most that they've ever said at one time. Um, so I'm really intrigued, intrigued to know what you guys think of of what they said because you well, have read stuff in the past more than me yeah um w one of the points um that that, that, that kind of stuck out um, in terms of uh, queen's involvement was when brian was talking about working with michael Kamen. um one, one of the bugbears we we've had um in doing these queen podcasts is at certain points queen um have used synthesizers where maybe they should have used, you know, stringed instruments or, you know, or, or some sort of orchestration. Mm. And there was a point that Brian makes where he says, um, he basically says that orchestras are, you know, these type of musicians kind of intimidate them. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a bit fearful of them. You know, yeah, it's fascinating that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in a sense, it, it, it was great for us because we kind of got an answer as to why Queen had never wow. really, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, kind of used orchestration, you know, and, and, and the, the songs that we thought would have been a lot better if they, if, if, if you know, they had used that, yeah. you know, that type of thing. So that so that was that was that was great, you know. Brilliant. Seeing that, you know, that we, you finally get, you know, um, one of the the guys in the band say, you know, saying, you know, that's the reason. Yeah, yeah, it makes coming. him a bit nervous. I think he said. Or yeah, yeah, intimidated. Yeah. Well, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so that was that that was great, you know, having having that uh, in the book, you know. Um, and uh, and and you know what what um, Roger said about you know the, the 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 soundtrack album versus just doing a Queen album you know yeah. he, you know he's saying you know that the band were about to go into and then they just wanted to get an album out you know um, yeah and uh, so we we kind of lost out in a sense because I, 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 the, the consensus among us three guys is that I think the soundtrack slash Queen. Uh, uh, a full soundtrack album would have been a lot better than the the a kind of magic album that we got. Yeah. Um. And 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 also, um, I think that's not really addressed in the book. Is it, it was a thing uh, we were talking about um, off air. Um, 
regarding the ownership of the of the actual songs, um, you would have thought um, the studio would have kind of owned the songs or had some sort of say in what Queen did with them, but mm. they, uh, that didn't seem to be the case, you know. No, I think I th- yeah, I think it was pretty much Queen was sort of hired, and then they could do what they wanted with, with yeah. the music. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, um, maybe, maybe that's a, a, a kind of industry standard thing. Um, I don't, I don't know. You know, when, when it comes to bands and all that doing soundtracks, but it just yeah. seems strange that you know that a kind of magic single came out and they, you know, no, nobody knew that it had anything to do with this film. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, you know, the, the Russell Mulcahy does. He he directs the video and everything, but there's not, there's nothing in the even in no. the video to suggest that it's linked to this film and that it yeah. comes out like five months later and all that. It just you know, it, it just seems as if they dropped a you know, I've always dropped somewhere in terms of ah uh, yeah, I mean marketing. I, I... Yeah. yeah, I certainly feel that way. I think, I think. I mean, again, I, I'm not an expert on the, the mechanics of movie making and all the rest of it. Nowhere near it. Um, but um, I think if I was a producer on Highlander, I would be saying, guys, you can't take these songs and, and take them and put them on your own album. They, they were written around a concept that we have given you. Know. You know, so I think I agree with Paul there. It, it, it just seems bizarre that they were allowed to take those songs and put them into a, a Queen album as such, you know, so... Um, but yeah, yeah, the soundtrack is what we wanted, and I think Brian talks about that. Uh, Jonathan doesn't he? Talks, talks about that in the, in the book about yeah. getting a soundtrack together, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he says that he, that's one of his kind of dream projects, really, and his sort of uh, his bucket list is to is to do that. And um, uh, and I thought it was interesting as well, just on on Roger Taylor, because he said uh, about the tour, because the marketing guy, one of the PR guys, told me as I put in there, about they wanted to do this themed tour. It sounded oh, a bit like it would be a bit like Spinal Tap or something with yeah. uh, guys in kilts and things on the stage. But And then Roger says, <laughs> no, he says, that never happened. It's about us. It's all about us. Yeah, uh, which I yeah. thought was quite, he was, he was very, very definite about that. Um, yeah. But also just a, a slight aside as well, I thought it was interesting, Roger's comments about the equipment. There's a couple of times he just goes off on a slight tangent and says, oh yeah, the, the, the I don't know, the, the, the equipment we were using it was like a, a giant coffee machine or something we just ended up using it like a coffee machine yeah. a couple yeah. of funny little comments and I thought does that does that mean he's really quite a technical guy then is he quite into all the equipment and he knows his stuff I wasn't I wasn't entirely sure but how you met like, yeah. like 35 years ago and he still mentioned the, the <laughs> machine you know <laughs> I still annoyed about the technology I mean uh, I mean I think probably we'd agree that Roger is is definitely you know, one of the guys that would tinker with technology more than the other three, I'd guess. Um, you know, one of these kind of guys, you know, having yeah. written Radio Gaga and things like that, you know, more of the kind of, you know, the, the kind of, oh, what's this wee device over here I can have a play with? You know, it seems that type, yeah. you know, um, so that would make a lot of sense. Um, so, I mean, I suppose, I, I suppose we've not really asked you, um, Jonathan, but uh, are you a Queen fan? Because in the interest of being honest and all that, it's, it's you know, it's just your, your take on the band. Because, I mean, just because you're writing a book about Highlander and, and we're talking about Queen in sort of practical terms doesn't necessarily mean you're a fan. But I suppose the yeah, question no, is, I'm, No, no, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't own any albums, but I do, I do love Queen. I mean, I remember when I was wee, like I say, I was 10 in 1986. And I remember going to uh, to like karate, <laughs> things like that, karate lessons in Edinburgh, some age of eight or nine, which was what, 84, 85. And just hearing like a kind of magic or Radio Gaga, that was the kind of year I remember most that sort of time. Um, and, and really enjoyed it. So, no, I, I do I do love them, but I, I just, just not in the sort of, um, you know, I'll join the fan club or, um, or, or but I'd like, I would like, to, but then I, I kind of magic. Although I did hear your podcast on it, uh, <laughs> yeah. of course, uh, you know I suppose I'm biased again because I'm a Highlander fan. So I suppose yeah, I come yeah. to it from the Highlander point of view to Queen, whereas I guess a lot of Queen fans maybe come to Highlander, well through Queen. Yeah, so yeah. It's, that's I don't know, but uh, but no, definitely I do like Queen. I think they're just a great band, um, and just yeah. so many songs you can sing along to. It's just brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever, ever fantasise about other bands? You know how how 
they would have, have approached it, you know, for instance, you know, there, there was early talk of the police doing it, and it was obviously Gilmer, uh, and then... And Marillion. Marillion, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I, well, I guess all of them would have just done something different. I mean, I, I do some of the films I enjoy, um, maybe like Tangerine Dream, uh, mm-hmm. obviously quite mm-hmm. different, but that yeah, just, just yeah. that sort of music more than the yeah. rock the, and the, the vocals. Song. The Sorcerer soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And um, Goblin is that not there? Is that not another one? Goblin, they did is that Goblin soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. What eighty stuff? Oh yeah. no, no, no. Goblin. Goblin. Is it Goblin? Is it Goblin? Well, they did a few the the sort of Italian films, I think, didn't they? Horror yeah. films. Yeah, Daddy Argento. Daddy Argento. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Goblin did the uh, Suspiria. Suspiria. Aye. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. I, I like quite a lot of that, like uh, Daddy Argento and. Stuff like yeah. that as well, aye, like 80s stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, it would have been I mean, yeah, what if it had been kind of synth or or the kind of, um, uh, yeah, the kind of Stranger Things sort of sound, you know, the sort of, yeah, that, yeah. Now we would look back on it as a very, very different thing. But uh, I think it, it, was, was, it would have dated it a bit more. Maybe. I think so, yeah. yeah. And I think it was interesting. But given the 80s is back in, maybe it would have kind of, oh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. of itself a wee bit now. Yeah, I mean, because I'm not uh, like a music expert, that's why I asked uh, Neil Brand to actually comment on some of it. I, I don't know what you thought about some of his stuff. So Mike, um, for people who don't know Neil Brand, he does a lot of stuff on the radio and he does some stuff on Radio uh, BBC4. He talks a lot about it. He kind of breaks down a lot of soundtracks. And he, I think he did it for Queen... Uh, Flash Gordon, actually, he mentions in the, the book uh, and interview. So I thought it was interesting what he said about Queen could only really be the, the 80s side yeah, of the film. Yeah, the present-day um, stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Michael Kamen could only really be the past, sort of the 1500s or whatever. Uh, and, and they couldn't really cross over. And I thought that was really... And I'd never thought of it like that before. I thought it was quite an interesting point of view. Um, so yeah, that was. I'm glad I asked him to to join in because I thought I just don't want to. I don't want to pretend that I, I'm a music expert and trying to trying to give some sort of analysis that I just would be making up, really. Um, well, yeah, well, you're, you're at home here because none of us are. <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> we just we just say what we think. Oh, you're fine. Um, That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's it's interesting because the you know we talk about the wow moments or the oh moments um, for us. We, we at the when we did the a kind of magic podcast, we talked about one year of love, and we talked about it as maybe it wasn't a Highlander track, and I and I kind of made the point that maybe it was if you actually listen to the lyrics and you know lifetime alone and mm. you know one year of love, so maybe there is a connection there. But I thought to be honest, it was a bit tenuous, and then having read your book, it was kind of confirmed that it is a Highlander track. It wasn't just a song that they had and just threw it into the movie kind of thing. You know, they already maybe had in the bag or whatever. So that was really interesting. That kind of confirmed it to us, obviously, one year of love and to, to the fans yeah. out there that, that maybe don't realise as a song, as a, as a Highlander song, sorry. So you're really talking about six tracks on the A Kind of Magic album that are Highlander related. Um, out of all of those, is, is, what's your, what's your favourite out of them? I think A Kind of Magic is actually my favourite one. That's the one really? I, I, I Yeah. I think <laughs> I, well, I mean, Who Wants to Live Forever is, is gorgeous, is yeah, stunning, yeah, I think. Yeah. But A Kind of Magic is just... Uh, I don't know if you're if you do, <laughs> like doing the dishes or something. We've got Alexa in the corner. Sometimes it's Alexa play a kind of magic or yeah or just the album, and then that was, that usually comes up first. So mm-hmm. um, so no, I think uh, those. I mean, those two are my favourite songs out of the out of the album. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is yeah. interesting. Just like I, I do mention is, is going through all those older scripts and just seeing those lines from the script that ended up in the. In the songs, yeah, it's fascinating yeah, that yeah, the guys yeah. must have just sat for ages and just gone through page after page and said, "Right, I'll take that bit there," because mm-hmm. uh, not I don't think every single line of dialogue ends up in the film either. I think some of the dialogue sort of from older versions of the script. So, yeah, they were really into it. It's not like they just thought, "Right, we'll just watch a couple of, we'll just watch it and then just write it." You know, I think they it feels it seems like, and I should have asked them probably this. But uh, it feels like they just sat down with those scripts and really went through them and picked mm-hmm. out some nice yeah. little nuggets. Like, like obviously when he says it's a kind of magic, which is, is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think even you know you you make a good point there, Jonathan, because I think um, 
you know, we, we sort of discussed it, I think, in the, in the kind of magic pod where um, even in Princess of the Universe, we're afraid of things, come on, come on, come on. And obviously Garfield in the movie, when he's when he comes out of the, the garden, yeah. come on, come on, come on, you know. So I don't know if that was something they went, oh, that sounds really good, I'm going to put that yeah. in. Because it would just be too much of a coincidence, I think, not to have been, been something that Freddie went, oh, that's pretty cool, I know, mm-hmm. or, or whoever maybe asked them to put that in or whatever. So I think you're right there, absolutely. Um, but I think the tracks for us, I mean, the, the kind of magic album as a whole is is, is a very Apache affair, you know, for for us three. Um, but the Highlander tracks are without doubt the best ones on the album. You know, the ones the non Highlander tracks are the poorer songs. You know, like uh, Jonathan said, it just shows like you know they, they didn't approach it kind of half half assed sort of thing. They obviously really really took it seriously. You know, and I know in Flash Gordon, you know, it started off. It was, they were all kind of in it together, but obviously it kind of the, the other three kind of fell by the wayside. And Brian took took the reins, whereas this all obviously Freddie, like you said, t- actually took dialogue directly from the movie and put it in in little snippets here and there. So it just shows that that you know that they committed to the project and they were really you know trying to really do what was best best for the film. And and like you said, that the, the songs, I think obviously Andy that hasn't. Uh, listen to the kind of magic pod. Th- those songs that are for Highlander, we didn't really trash any of those. We thought they were all great. It was all the ones that weren't for the movie, and it all- almost makes me think that maybe Queen should have been given an agenda in the eighties for like a few other albums, like <laughs> to write songs, <laughs> to write songs yeah. around a concept because they seem to be yeah. much better at doing it than writing it as like individual. Just I'll write a song about this or I'll write a song about that. You know, it's certainly that it's point in their career. To, yeah, in that yeah, point yeah. in their career, definitely in the eighties. Yeah. You know, but, but yeah, it's uh, interesting, man. And uh, you know, I also I, it's not really related to the, the lyrics, but it's I love all the little incidental bits, like you know when Freddie does um, Sinatra. You know, yeah. and stuff like yeah. New York, he New does York, New York yeah. and stuff like that. Just like little wee bits like that. And also the, the bit where um where the Kurgan yeah, cuts the, the roof off the, the car and hello mom and boo and then the car goes and it's the it's the version of um, Don't Lose Your Head, but it's the guitar version that mm-hmm. you that you can't find anywhere. It's not yeah. even on the it's not even on the soundtrack. It's weird it's, I'd love to be able to just be things like that, like uh, I know the New York thing that's on the soundtrack, but the like so the heavier version of uh, Don't Wish Your Head isn't there. I'd just love to just pick people's brains and go, well, where is those little bits of incidental music? Yeah. Because they, they, they must be somewhere. Yeah, because that, that's, that's a good point Joe makes about the sounds. Because we um, shout out to Sonic Volcano, who's one of our followers on Twitter and um, um, has really hooked us up. In fact, it was, a, it was the gentleman that, that, that told us about Jonathan's book, so thank you very that's much. Right, yeah, um, that's right, yeah. But he's also the same gentleman that hooked us up with, um, I guess, as close as you can get to the soundtrack. Um, so there was a lot of the Michael Kamen stuff, really, really kind of longer longer stuff that um hadn't actually heard. But again, it's not the full soundtrack, as Joe said, because there's like, I mean, even Who Wants to Live Forever was the one off the album and stuff. Aye, and it's not yep, the one, because yep. Freddie, Freddie sings the opening lines on in Highlander, whereas Brian sings it on the album, things mm. like that. So there's a few a few differences. So that soundtrack album, as we said, we, we need to get it. It needs to, come on. Totally. totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a holy grail, it sounds like, for, for Queen fans. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, um, that bit you mentioned, I mean, I, Clancy mentions it in the, in the, um, in the book, sorry, the the bit about singing. Uh, That's right. Yeah, uh, New York, New York. So he he had lived it uh, on the on the the street when they were filming it. So right. again, the, Freddie must have watched that and uh, and then thought, right, I'll do my own version of it. Yeah, we only ever recorded that little bit, that kind of thirty seconds, forty five mm-hmm. seconds. Yeah. Uh, why? Why did they not do this? Why? Exactly. Yeah, why? Why? That's weird. You know, <laughs> you go back to the time machine and say, "Guys, just spend an extra five minutes yeah. doing this. Come on, <laughs> just do the full thing." <laughs> but I mean, I mean, those scenes in the bit in the back coming back a bit was was a bit more to the movie. There was, there's quite a lot of a lot of police involvement, certainly when they're filming in New York, um, <laughs> where maybe they forgot to tell police certain things, and <laughs> and there's all sorts of crazy cars. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's I mean, good fun to hear all that. Yeah, yeah. One thing I'd ask you, right? Um, I listen to the Wire podcast quite a lot, and I've been stealing a couple of wee bits out of the out of their their podcast a wee bit. But no, one right. of the things they one of the things they do um, at the end of their episodes is they they say 
I like the wire, but and there's, there's always they pick out something in the episode that oh, come on, maybe they shouldn't have did that, or maybe they could have done that better, or whatever. So thinking about Highlander, um, if there was one thing you could change, or I wish they'd have done that differently, or is there anything at all um, in the Highlander movie that you would that you would change if you if you had the chance to do it? Oh man, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. Um, I suppose I don't know if this is is cheating, but but knowing how much they cut out of it, mm. I, I mean, I suppose that's that's. There's really two answers to this. So the the the, the one I'd like to say is, um, it'd be great if they could put some of the stuff in it back in that was deleted. So some of the yeah. fight sequences, uh, some of the stuff with Caster Gear, that would be great. Um, I suppose the, what you're really asking is, is there anything? that I could change maybe about the current film that, that I've watched. Um, uh, I mean, I suppose the stuff with Heather when she, uh, when she dies, I think the makeup, yeah, although I spoke yeah. to the chap who did the makeup and I, I now understand better the pressure he was under and, and just mental health pressures and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I still think it would be nice if that was just a little bit more realistic, if you like. And yep. BT Edney talked about her mum, Sylvia Sims even potentially being cast as an older version of her. Yeah. So I think it would have been quite nice in a way if they'd got an older actress in mm-hmm. to play her. So I think that's probably the main thing. Uh, otherwise, I suppose it's just a, it, it's a crazy film that was put together by this director who was more used to his music videos and was just kind of having fun really and just going for it all the time. So I think any mistakes that are in there are just almost a, a case of uh, they just had to keep moving. Yeah. So in a way, it's like I can sort of forgive them a lot of stuff because he was just, you know, he had deadlines, he was powering through it, did loads and loads of shots. Um, so I don't think there's anything I sort of sit and watch and think I hate that bit of it. But but as I say, maybe putting some bits in that, that were cut out yeah, and changing the, the bits with it. I, I mean, okay, maybe the other bit, I suppose, is just the, the bit at the end with the, the, the wires. The final, yes, the wires. I should say that as well. Because <laughs> they've never gone, but they've nev- never done a George Lucas and taken that out, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But maybe they could do that, an that, alternate that, version at some point with new new effects. That might be nice. Yeah. I've not got a 4K set up um, in, in my home, so I've not seen the 4K version. So, but I wondered if they'd maybe did that in the 4K version, actually taking the wires out or anything, but I, I dare say they haven't then, so they're not. They're no. Okay. Okay. no. <laughs> weird. It's weird, because I thought yeah. they might, you'd think by now you might yeah. just do that, but it adds to the charm, I suppose. Uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's, that's a very good point. A few more questions, and then we'll set you free, Jonathan, um, and let these gents ask anything finally, because I've just dominated oh. this whole Sorry, 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 gents. Um, oh, you're fine, man. Um, why in 2020? Why should anyone still care about Highlander? Oh, give me all the tough questions, don't you? Um, <laughs> I think I think the central story, although it is of course made 35 years ago, I think it still holds up. For, it holds up for a few different reasons. First of all, it's a nice snapshot of 80s. Well, I suppose it's New York, even though some of it was filmed in Britain, but that kind of 80s, 80s filmmaking and the, the kind of MTV generation, Russell Mulcahy bringing his MTV uh, style to, to this film. So I think the look of it is very, that, that just the whole 80s aesthetic of it is, I think it, it is a historic artifact even. It's, it's quite a cool thing to watch. Um, from a story point of view, I think it still holds up because of the love story between Connor and Heather, which I think I've sort of alluded to a few times in the book and say, for me, that is kind of what just grounds it and, and also just it rises it or raises it above being just another action film. Because um, there's not many action films where you have that, okay, you've maybe got a, a romance or a, um, you know, the, the good guy falls in love with a woman and then there's the obligatory relationship. But in this one, it just feels a bit more, a bit more depth to it. And I suppose my, uh, the music does help with that. And I suppose having Who Wants to Live Forever in there really uh, just makes it feel more more special because someone's actually gone and written a song about this relationship yeah. as well. And that music swells up a few times in it. So, um, so yeah, I think just even having that kind of idea of immortality being a curse rather than something that we, sh- we maybe, I guess we've all 
maybe thought about at some point would like to live forever. And you think it could be quite cool you know, to do all these things. And then, of course, in this film, it, it has some sort of vague sense of reality where it's actually, no, because people die that you, you love and they keep dying and you keep living. And um, yeah. So no, I think there's a, just that kind of um, heart, I suppose, to it that, that still works. And a lot of films even now don't have that, I think. Yeah, so, I agree just, completely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Sorry, that's, I, I, that's my thoughts. <laughs> so, one last thing uh, from me. Yeah, I'll let, I'll let, I know I said that was the last thing, but sorry, I just you're getting tougher. Keep, I'm feeling keep trying. Trying. this one. This one's an easy one. This one should right, be easy. Right. Um, I think. I think what what's missed, um, and it, I think I think you, you know you do allude to allude to this, or certainly um, as alluded to in the book um, about the humour in Highlander, because I think mm. it gets overlooked quite a lot, and there's a lot of humour in Highlander. So with that in mind. Which, what's the funniest part in Highlander for you? Hmm. Funniest part. Uh... <laughs> oh, no, I thought this was going to be an easy one. Sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to be a nice light one. Too. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's just because there's, there's a lot of funny stuff. I, I mean, I think, I think Sean Connery's, the way he plays it, I think him, him just being, I'm, I'm, Sort of not answering the question here, but the way he plays it, I think he has a slightly tongue-in-cheek at some points in, in the film. Yeah, and I do, I do like the bit. I know it's cheesy, and being in Scotland, we maybe shouldn't laugh at it. But the, the bit with the haggis, you know, what does a haggis? And it's like <laughs> the whole thing of Sean Connery asking what a haggis is. It's ridiculous on a boat in a lock. <laughs> and I think, of course, they knew that at the time. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, so it's almost like a wink to the camera almost with that one, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. And the Kurgan yeah. does get some good stuff as well, but I think that's yeah. probably my one. <laughs> um, my one, and I'm going to ask these gents because I always find out. My, my favourite one is the the hot dog vendor. And he's, when he's got the, the New York Post, he's like, um, what does baffle mean? <laughs> you know, and yeah. what does incompetent mean? You know, I love, I love, I love that bit. Well. You know, there's a few other bits that I find funny, but that's that's one of, definitely one of my favourites. Yeah. Joe, what's your, what's, your, what's your funny moment? Oh, there's, there's loads of great bits. Uh, really, is, it's almost like a black comedy in a lot of respects. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of laughs in it. Yeah. I love the bit where it's... Uh, Garfield cover up their head <laughs> when he trips over the head. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, that little, that little wee bit of detail that they put in, and it's he's not even on screen at that point. He's in the background, if I remember right. You just see him stumbling, and uh, <laughs> I love that Garfield cover up. You hear the you hear shit in the coffee. <laughs> it's funny. Maybe <laughs> that by a sicko, you know, several Ted tripping over. It's pretty funny. So. <laughs> 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 and I was just actually just when Brenda arrives at that bit, he's got a really good line, Alan North. Um, where he says, yeah, this, lines. yeah, this one came unassembled. He's got his loads of great lines. He obviously took that coming from um, like uh, police story, naked, uh, naked gun and stuff like oh, that, because yeah. he brought his humour. Police squad. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's police squad, sorry, police story, police squad. I think of Jackie Chan. Eh? Jackie Chan, aye. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I, but even the bit when they're interrogating McLeod um, and the and the police station, you're just expecting Frank Drebin just to walk in because Alan North dressed exactly the same as he is in police squad. You know, he's like you know the yeah. you know. So, but brilliant. anyway, Paul, sorry, bring you in now. Um, oh God, there's so there's so many. Um, you know, there, there, there's like we like, throw away things like the guy that brings in the sample of. Uh, uh, the the the, the mm. metal from the sword, and he's like yeah. real close shave. He's just like just little, just, Aye, just loads wee, wee bits all through the whole thing. Um, uh, pretty much almost everything the Kurgan says is Aye, it's funny, <laughs> it's pretty funny, you know. Um, but you know, he, he, he's got an edge of menace, real actual menace as well. You know, um, just the way he quickly turns on Connor and and the the chart scene. You know, um, remember what Ramirez taught you and all that. You know, you know after, you know, kind of in disguise and all that. You know, um, yeah, that 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 does loads of little bits. You know, um, uh, what's you this? Know, what is this? A sword? You know? ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, do, 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 do you want to hear another theory? You know, he was watching the Lousy Wrestling and I thought the depression he cut off his own head. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's, Brilliant. Ah, it's yeah. good stuff. It's, uh, it's a very funny movie. It's, it, it works in so many levels. Yep. Um, 
it's yeah. not as you said Jonathan it's not just a, a an 80s action movie and that's that's why it, people are stuck people still love it uh, what's it, there, there's levels there's layers to it you know cool. um as a, a unique film um and even um me and David were talking off air just before you come on um even the uh, there, there is one kind of homophobic kind of slur word used, um, mm-hmm. but that's it. And yeah. for for an eighties movie, that's pretty good going, you know. That there's, <laughs> that, and and there, there's not really that much misogyny. I mean, I mean, I know, um, kind of the, the female characters end up being kind of screaming, you know, um, yeah. Women and by the at the end, you know, even Brenda, who's a very interesting independent woman and all that, she just ends up being like a a woman tied up to a post and screaming and all that. See that if Clancy uh, came through a door at me looking like that, I'd be screaming like that as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's um, uh, it's it's a it's an utterly unique movie and um, yeah, it's it's one of my favourites. Yeah, I mean, I said to to Russell Mulcahy, um, I didn't print the book because it just didn't quite work, but I said to him, uh, you know, it's it's a film that almost, that shouldn't work, but it does. Mm. And he laughed at that and he was like, that should be on the poster. Uh, and I thought, have, have I offended? I wasn't sure if I offended him or not. I don't think so. But but, no, I, I, but I think that's true. It's like we, we talked about all these different things, humour and uh, drama and uh, romance, all these things. And it's nice, like, it almost doesn't, I think, but it somehow does. It's, it's a weird one, and mm-hmm. uh, and and I I've been slightly slightly well, quite amazed actually by the amount of people that have sent me messages on Twitter and said I must have this book; it's my favourite film, uh, which is yeah. of course what you want to hear. But I didn't know really quite how many people because you can't, of course, when you start anything, you don't know, you can't do a, a sort of uh, analysis of how many people will buy your book, but. Uh, I've been really, it's just amazing to see the amount of people that, that keep saying, oh, it's my favourite and I must buy this and two of my pals want a copy as well. And so that's good, mate. That's good. It's good. No, it's and that's why I wanted the book to be kind of in-depth. And, 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 and of course it is in-depth, but I just thought there's no point. I feel like I was conning people uh, in many ways because you could Google a lot of this stuff. If you wanted to Google the making of Highlander, you could find out a lot just on Wikipedia. Or there's like Empire Magazine have done, there's a really nice article if anyone wants to Google that. And they talk about all the films. Um, so you could find a lot, but I just thought, well, just try and go beyond that and find out stuff people don't know if you're a, prop, if you're a real fan. So I think, I feel, I think I've done that. So I feel quite happy with myself. <laughs> it's just uh, see how other people think be. of it, you know. You yeah, it should be. It's, yeah. it's, just, it's one of, no, I'll read it again when it comes through, like I say in the hard copy, so I'm going to go back through it again, because um, the inevitable be thing that you've not picked up on, you know, um, as, as it is with the movie itself, you know. Totally, and hopefully, uh, of course, the other hope is that you watch, either watch, well, I suppose read the book and then watch the film the next time. Yeah. And you're like, and I don't know, I mean, I'm not the only person, I'm sure, that spotted Russell Mackay, not that everyone knows what he looks like, but having seen him a couple of times in the film, and then one time, I think when I saw it at the cinema a couple of years ago, I saw him in another scene in the library when the camera sort of comes into the library and it goes up to see Brenda. And he's just standing there at the side. Uh, and yeah. I was like, that's Russell Mackay again. And then, <laughs> and then he gets squashed against the, the window of the car. Yeah. Uh, it's just all these little, <laughs> little gags I wanted to try and get mentioned if people hadn't noticed them, of course. And, yeah. and I'm sure there's stuff I've missed as well. So. I hope people kind of tell me, and if if there's ever another edition, I could add in those bits, slot them in. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, you know, you, the, in the sort of at the sort of end, um, you know, as you, you summarise things, um, you know, you talk about the franchise, and um, you know, um, they're, they're still talking about this remake, even as 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 recent as June this year. I yeah. think the, 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 there's been there's been chats about it. Um, my personal opinion is I'm not completely against it. If it has the right people. I want to see a different Highlander movie, but I don't want to see a reboot of 1986 movie. I want to see a, a movie almost kind of like what Clancy was talking about with, with the Kurgan. You know, I want to wear a suit and I don't want to be a cliche. 
I kind of want to see that movie, you know, you know, the, the darker movie, maybe. Um, I still love the, the 80s campy one, and that will still always be number one. But if they are going to do it, I think they need to yeah, approach it differently. That's, that's my own thoughts. Have you any thoughts yourself, or do you, or do you think they should just leave it, uh, Jonathan? Or Well, one thing, just to say, it's interesting to hear Christopher Lambert's comments on Queen, because he does mention yeah, them quite a few times. He's clearly a huge, yeah, point. huge yeah. fan, and he says, without them, you can't do Highlanders. So that's that's fascinating whether they would re- use the same songs again or ask them to do more and i think brian might be up for doing more please don't ask them to do more man <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, not, not while freddy's not here <laughs> that's true, true. No, that's true. but um no i think i think it could be done again i think it would be nice i'm actually a fan of a netflix i, I bring it back on netflix i think again christopher yeah. sort of said that and yeah. kind of put the idea in my head mm-hmm. but just the idea of telling that story that story that's in the film but just expanding it right out over five seasons or something yeah and making the gathering just this really uh yeah just expanded thing you're sort of building up to it every every episode you get closer to it and stuff yeah 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 i mean they could just do you could just do fantastic things i think with that story and build up the number of immortals you could have just more characters and and i just also think in this world of uh you know like they do with um Marvel Avengers films where they are ever like now they're going to do these spin-offs on on Disney Plus I think the mm-hmm. the kind of um the Winter Soldier and different characters I mean would you not want to do that if you were making it you'd maybe want to spin another one of the immortals off to another series uh yeah. you could you could easily do like a mini series based on I don't know Castigear give him his yeah. own mm-hmm. uh give him his own sort of in the Zulu yeah. I think it's Zulu um war that that he meets that's um, right yeah 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 meets meets connor so i just think that that's potentially the way forward but who knows i mean i think yeah i just think you could build up an audience better that way and uh and if i if i was making trying to make money i think i would do it that way but but then as a film well they would need to do it as a trilogy i think i don't think you can i just don't know if you could do it all in one film and do it justice and um I definitely agree with that because I like go back to something you said, Jonathan, earlier on, um, about the heart thing that like is missing from a lot of films now. I think that would be the hardest thing to really capture in the from the original. It's just having that that weight of character, you know, that, that you know, characters that you care about. That's in Highlander you you care about yeah. people in it. And I think that's a common thing in like seventies, eighties and like kind of even early nineties movies, they they just seem to have more it's just characters you can kind of relate to whereas now it's very much just bang bang here's some special effects mm. everything's really shallow and I think if they one of the things that would give me the kind of fear of a new Highlander it would just focus on all the fighting elements and like we were saying it's not really Highlander isn't about that necessarily it's, yeah. it's very it's very much on multiple levels it's just finding somebody like a director a modern director that's able to understand the, the dynamics of the original script and how it's not just here's a because you could you could imagine it would just be if it was done now it'd be just amazing special effects it would just be like fighting every two seconds you wouldn't have that that story arc you know you know the, the way the original has you know where it takes time and it comes away from fighting scenes and it's got like proper dialogue and I don't know I just I don't see any newer directors in film TV yeah but not in film that I don't I don't think would could do that justice. That's just my opinion on it. There, yeah. that, but I think. Really, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, Joe. Sorry. No, just um, that, but, I think. I think um, you know the point Jonathan's making and the point um, that Christopher Lambert made about that Netflix idea. I think that's that's, and that's, that's what I'm saying. Yep. I yeah. No, be exactly. That's TV that's be it. Be you know, because I think it's um, you look at how good how good TV is now. You know, TV shows are, you know, and they're in many ways they're eclipsing movies as well, you know, a little bit. Yeah. And you can go right into the character development, like we're yeah. saying, like, and give, yeah. give these characters more weight as opposed to just, yeah. here's, a, here's a guy from Russia that chops people's heads off, here's a guy from Scotland that chops people. Because that's yeah. what it would be if they just done a new movie, because people now just don't have the patience, I, I don't think, let's say, our generation has to actually sit and immerse yourself in a film rather than, yeah. oh, well, that's been 10 minutes, nobody's fought yet. and you know, because it's big, well, big, you know. Well, big that's parts. the thing. 
the, talking about that there about you know the, the, this Russian character having the Kurgan. I think now what you would probably do watching so many shows now you you'd they would dedicate a whole episode just mm-hmm. to his backstory, wouldn't they? Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. You, you probably wouldn't even yeah. yeah, you wouldn't even see Connor probably for a whole for an episode, and they would just have the yeah. Kurgan, and then yeah. in the next episode, then you see the Kurgan and track. So yeah, you could yeah. just do fantastic. That's, That's what I'm saying. That would that would work really, really well. Yeah. What what more on the TV? I totally agree with you. What definitely more in the TV realm than it would not in the crap original TV show because that's terrible but but in modern television yeah definitely yeah. it would give it more weight I think yeah, yeah absolutely that's it I, th- I think we'd better set Jonathan J- Jonathan free here um, you Jessica anything anything last day to, to to ask Jonathan before we, we finish up uh, no, no just uh, thank you so much for, for coming on and speaking to us uh, uh, you and uh, everyone go out and buy, buy Jonathan's book. It's it's really excellent. There's a lot of stuff in there. As, as David says, there's a lot of oh wow kind of moments um, in every two or three pages. It's great. Buy thanks it. for that. Thanks. Cheers. Yeah. Uh, I'll, well, thanks again. Really appreciate you being on here, man, and you know taking the time to sit and tell us, uh, speak to us about one of our favourite films. You know, it's been great. I just want to ask one question though. Who's your favourite? Cass, who, who's your favourite in Highlander? Who's your favourite character? Do you have one? Uh, I think it's Ramirez. I think it's, yeah. yeah. I actually, as I mentioned a couple of times, whenever I get an opportunity, I mentioned Sean Connery's brother lives <laughs> next street to me. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's bizarre. I mean, we, you know, he's not, he's just a, a guy who lives in a, in a sort of normal, I live in Christopher in Edinburgh, anyone that knows Christopher, mm-hmm. well, my part anyway is not particularly it's just a, a normal everyday street so his brother is, is there and you see him washing his car uh, and getting on the bus so it's quite funny <laughs> so I don't know that's quite that's just that's, a wee tangent but that's cool uh, man it is and I did mention to him I was standing beside him at the bus stop one day and I thought should I mention I'm writing a book about his brother and I did and he, he just sort of was like okay yeah he <laughs> wasn't that bothered so Obviously, obviously, old Sean hasn't thrown him any any checks in the mail. <laughs> doesn't look like it. No, uh, we we did have a chat about making our dinner, and I think he would bought some frozen food for his tea, and he had to defrost it. So, so it's just that's a funny uh, just everyday conversations. Just a, yeah, with with uh, with Neil Neil Connery, but uh, mm. but no, I know I think Ramirez is great, and I think just the way he makes his cameo, and and when I watch it, I mean I've watched it many times, as I'm sure you have, but. Every time I watch it, I see something, usually see something new, especially if I see it in the cinema. Um, whether that will ever happen again, I don't know. But uh, the last time I saw it at the cinema, I just noticed new things and I noticed different bits of dialogue I just hadn't picked up on from from Sean. Um, in fact, was, the book was almost called Heart, Faith and Steel because he uh, talks a bit yeah, about that yeah, at one yeah, point. You know, about, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the publisher wasn't so happy with that. So um, <laughs> went with that kind of magic. But... Um, and nobody's mentioned either that I thought maybe you or, or other Queen fans would have said, why are you ripping off a Queen album? Uh, and no. yet nobody's, nobody's actually said that. It's like, well, no, that wasn't the point. No. It was because I think no, it was a I, think, I don't no, mean it. Uh, it belonged to the movie first. Yeah, well, I know, it was, but, a, you know, yeah, it was <laughs> a line from the movie, first of all, yeah. I know, and but I was, I was expecting someone to say it, but I'll say it myself. Nah. So. Uh, here's, here's, a, here's a point. Did, did you have to, like you were talking about, because it's a Queen record, did you have to, like, um, clear it with anybody in Queen's camp that you were going to call your book. No, no, no well, it's, not, it's not. Um, it's not copyright. So they okay. Right. Well, as far as I know, it's not. Anyway, if, if I get a letter, <laughs> <now, laughs> no, no, there's, there's other. I think there's other albums. I'm sure when I was looking, I, I did sort of have a brief look into it. I think there's another album called The Kind of Magic on. Certainly, right. you can see an Amazon, but it's just some other random. Band. Ah, I say okay. random. I'm sure they're brilliant, whoever they are. But um, <laughs> so I don't think. No, I think you can you can use it. So cool. Fingers crossed. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brian and Roger, if you're listening. That was... <laughs> <laughs> I doubt they'll be listening. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> never know. Never know. Um, um, so I've absolutely chuffed to have you come on, uh, Jonathan. Mark. You know, it's been great fun. Um, the book's excellent, as Paul, sa- Paul says. Um, please go out there and buy the book um, if you're not already get it ordered. I think a few of the fol- our followers certainly are mentioning that they've got it ordered. Or, um, if, if you ever want to do a, a, a part two for whatever reason, give me a shout. Uh, I don't know. Definitely. Well, we're talking about doing a, doing a Tremors one for a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> on a Queen podcast. <laughs> on a Queen podcast. That's yeah. what. We'll just do it anyway. 
Uh, well, Tremors is, is, a, is a great great fun. Yeah, we could we could go off in another direction mm. talk about that. But well, just ask, ask loads of questions about Kevin Bacon, man. He seems like a cool guy. <laughs> he is. Yeah, no. I, well, once again, that took, I think for that book, that took me four years to get him. It just it takes a long time. Really? Just, right. Yeah. And then he did, I think it was a new agent, and they said, yeah, yeah, you can, we'll put you, put you through to him. So. That's awesome, man. It was really cool. Cool. Cool, man. Fantastic. Um, one thing I would say when I was reading the book, I forgot, I actually forgot for quite a while that Queen were involved in the movie. I was actually so immersed in just the production yep. of the actual movie, the film itself. Yep. I was like, oh, hi, there's going to be bits of Queen, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so that's how, how sucked in I was to the book. So, I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. So please, please uh, go, go and buy it if you're a Highlander fan. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um, so thanks again, Jonathan. And uh, well, who says the Glasgow Edinburgh thing's a, a problem? Because there you go, we'll get Edinburgh and Glasgow coming together. <laughs> exactly. Highlander connects exactly. us. That's yeah, it. And Queen. Indeed. And Queen. And Queen. And Queen. Indeed. Uh, okay, so that's us um, for um, uh, the podcast. Um, we'll be back. I don't know when we'll be back. We still need to talk about that and see what we're doing next, but um, we will be back. And um, yeah, look out for it. And uh, thanks for listening. So take care, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.